everybody. Welcome back to Unguarded. This is the Guardian Scholars podcast from CSU Bakersfield, and we're really happy to be here again with you today. We are um, in October. It's the third week, the 22nd, and some of us just finished up midterms, and I know that my student assistants were really working very hard the last couple of weeks, making sure they're doing their best and supporting one another and bringing great information and support to you as a program. So we're happy that you're here and listening to us, and we have some wonderful guests with us today. Um, I'm gonna let them introduce or reintroduce themselves to you. And then we'll move into our topic and I hope that you enjoy it. So co-hosts, um, go ahead, introduce yourselves. Who are you? What's I'll new start. in your life? <laughs> I'll start, it's me Jojo again. Hi everybody. Thank you for joining us and listening in. Um, like Monica said, Midterms kick my butt, but I'll explain all that stuff later. Just happy to be back with you guys. Welcome back, Jojo. And midterms kiss, kick our butts too. Like they kick professors' butts too. So administrators, but we stress with you. So I'm glad you made it through it. And thank you for being here. I appreciate it. And next we have. Thank you, Daddy. So I. Thank you for inviting me back, Dr. Dwayne Cantrell, um, Associate Vice President for Enrollment Management, Chief Enrollment Officer on campus, and, and former EOP student. I just need to say that. Yay. I need to say that. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, so just happy to be here. Thanks for having me back again. And I invited, just to, to hang out with me, um, I invited my, my, uh, our, our new student assistant in the enrollment management office. We wanted to make sure our students got to be part of meetings and conversations and, and that kind of thing. So I invited Myra, my, my home girl, Myra. Myra, introduce yourself. Hi, uh, my name's Myra. I'm a senior. I'm a new student assistant with enrollment management, the first of its kind. And um, yeah, I also, got midterms, so I know I know what's up with that. <laughs> and it's hard, but I'm excited. Well, Myra, thank you for joining us today. And we won't put you on the spot and make you participate. However, at the end, in case you want to think ahead, we do have a segment called Tip, Trick, or Pick of the Week. So if there's something that maybe you want to share that has been interesting to you or has really been helpful to you or a life hack or something, feel free. If not, you can just sit in and listen and you know, gain from our, from our sharing. So thank you for being here today and congratulations on your position with enrollment management. That's amazing. And on being a senior. Nice work. Congrats, congrats. Nice work. Yeah, thank you. All right, well, everybody, today we're talking about um, a specific topic and we are gonna be discussing life lessons. This is a really open-ended conversation um, we really want to just kind of break down what life lessons, what that term means to us, um, maybe some of what we've learned through life, um, the timing of our lessons, and whether we think we stop learning um, in life. If there's ever a point where we're just done learning and we've, we've reached nirvana in terms of information and wisdom and life experiences, and, and, uh, and then we can apply it all. So um, one of the reasons that we chose this topic was because we are still in the middle of social distancing to a certain extent. We are definitely learning online and remote from campus. And you know we miss life, we miss campus, we miss CSU Bakers, so we miss congregating and learning together in person and supporting one another and moving through challenges in like midterms. And you know just that whole, um, companionship and camaraderie that we experience so wonderfully at CSU Bakersfield, we miss it. But there is a silver lining in all of this because we also realize that we learned a lot through this time. We talk about it constantly and learning is tough. It stretches our brains, it stretches our spirits, it stretches our intelligence and our willingness. And even though this has been a difficult time, I know that we've learned a lot through it as well. So we're talking about life lessons today. We can call it pandemic lessons. We can call it life lessons, what have you. But um, I think basically we just want to share out on that. And I know that we have a lot of learning still to do. But you know what? I think this is a good time to pause and reflect and motivate, share. And that's what today's podcast is about. 
So I want to just throw the question out to my co-host um, and ask you guys, what does life lesson mean to you? What does that phrase mean to you? How would you define that? I'm sure we all have our different perspectives. So I'm going to open it up to you guys and see if maybe you can share some of your perspective on that. What is a life lesson? I'll go. Uh, I think life lessons is based on self. Um, what I learn won't be the same thing that the next person learned. Um, it could have been something that someone learned in the past, but it's based on you. Um, it's at your own pace and what you're going through at that moment. Um, for me, my life lessons is school right now and, and being a new mom. I'm learning every day. I learned this semester what type of learner I am and what I need to better my educational path and what I need to do to improve. Um, I, I did a lot of self-reflecting during this self-quarantine that I'm partaking in and that's pretty much it for me. <laughs> mm -hmm. Thank you, Jojo. Dr. Cantrell, what does a life lesson or what do life lessons mean to you? How would you define those? So I, I think one of the last questions you asked me on the last podcast was who was my favorite teacher? And I said, life. You um, did li it. Yes. Li li life is my life is my most impactful teacher. Um, because, you know, even if you look at the context of being a student, right, from, from a student framework, you have theory and you have practice. Um, life lessons to me are things that you can't read in a book. Um, you, you can't learn from what somebody tells you. Um, and people can talk to you, as we used to say, till you're blue in the face, but until you do something and put it to practice and until you experience life, um, then, then that's, that's where real learning, that's where the real classroom is, is in life. I remember my mother used to tell me um, years ago, she would always tell me, I don't care how many degrees you get, I'm always going to be smarter than you. Mm. And I used to think, please, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> but I'm like, whatever. But, but she said, because I'm older than you, I'm always going to be smarter than you because I've experienced more life than you have. Yes. Um, and, you know, and of course, as a little, uh, I won't say little kid, but as a, as a younger man, I took offense to that. But it's true um, because I, you know, I don't know what it's like to be an elder. I don't know what it's like to be 60, 70 years old. I don't know what it's like to have grandchildren. I don't know what it's like to navigate spaces in a certain way. So right. to me, that that's all theory to me right now. Until I live it, that's where the lessons come in. That's what I think of when I think of life lessons. Absolutely. And, like, and I, I thought of something else that he brought up his mom. So I'm like, my mom used to tell me something all the time. And I literally just thought of it now. There are two types of people in the world. And after I say this, I do want to hear what type of person you think that you are. There's two types, only two. There's a person who live and learn. And there's a person who listen and learn. Hi. I'll go and I'll disclose. I am a living learner. I have to fall down. I have to get hurt. I have to go through it myself for me to learn. My mom used to tell me all the time, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. I, you guys can't, the listeners can't see, but I have a burn right here. I'm a live and learner. I had to know that that barbecue pit was hot. <laughs> for me to not touch it. <laughs> so with that being said, what type of person are you? <laughs> and I want the audience to, to listen out for this too and let us know what type of learner are you? Are you a living learner? Are you a listening learner? Which one? So you're asking me? I'm asking everybody. <laughs> okay, all right. Okay, go ahead, Dr. Kentra. I'll let you go first. Okay, all right. I, I, um, if you were to ask me when I was younger, I was a living learner, right? Because I, I, it didn't matter what you told me. If I wanted to do it, I was going to do it. In fact, if you ever told me I couldn't do something, I would make an extra effort to do it just because you said I couldn't, right? Ask me. <laughs> but, I, but, I'm, but I'm older now. So, you know, I'm older now. And so I, I don't have the bandwidth or the capacity to uh, to randomly and radically um, 
live like that anymore. So I, I have to listen now. So I listen a lot more now. I have lots of mentors um, and I listen now. And of course I experience things, but I think now I'm more of a listen and learn now than I was before. I was far more daring than I am now. I'm like, I agree more so with education wise. I have a lot of mentors, especially Monica. Every time I have a problem, I'm calling her like, okay, I know you've been through this. What help me. But as far as like personal life, I still live and learn, but I'm also still young. I'm only 26. So I'm still, I'm still learning. I have a lot to learn and I'm taking it all in from everybody that I can receive it from. But so I'm I'm twice as old as you, it's okay. almost to, almost to the digit. I'm twice as old as you, and so so yeah, that that changed for me at some point. But I, yeah, I feel I'm like I haven't got to that point yet, and I'm still trying to figure it out. But I can honestly say I'm still living and learning. Yeah, yeah, I love those responses. I am. I will disclose, I was a live and learner until probably I was in my late 30s. Um, it was then that I began to realize that most of what my mother and father had told me was the right way. That oh. was right. And they had really lived their lives in a right way. I was blessed to be raised by two people who were really informed about life and experienced about life and shared those things with me. But I think now that I'm 50, I live my life much slower. I, I think longer and I act fast. I take much more time to look at all perspectives, take in all my mentoring, my mentoring from my 80-year-old mom, my 84-year-old dad. They're still the ones I go to. Mom, dad, guide me, you know? And I take that in, consider it, consider what I want for myself, because I trust myself a little bit more now than I did about 15 years ago. And I, I act faster, but I think longer now. So I was definitely a live and learn person. And I just got tired of those hard lessons. Like I just was fatigued and was like, I have got to change something and do things smarter and so it took me a while but I learned you know and I try to teach my children earlier than when I learned things to you know stop think look at all the perspectives taken all of the information and then move they've been a little bit better at it than I was at their age so that was a win but I was a living learner for sure for sure and I don't regret all of it I I learned a lot through that I really, really learned a lot and I have, I feel a lot to share now because I've been through some things, so. I'm like, now that you guys mentioned that, like you notice like with parenting, your kids fall and they're like, it's okay, they're gonna learn, they're gonna learn. So I, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe everyone, almost everyone start off by living and learning. And then as you progress and get older and mature and experience life, you learn that you can't just act upon something. You have to reflect, right. listen, and then react. So right. that's what I'm getting from you guys' response. But I want to hear other people's responses too after they listen to our podcast. So let us know, guys. Yes, email so us. It's, so when you're, when you're young, and you're younger, you have more recovery time and you recover, you know, you have time to recover. Right. And you get older, you don't. <laughs> so so you, you make the wrong mistake when you're older. There could be no no recovery from that. You know, it could right. be career ending. It could be you could lose it all. Right. You have more to lose when you're older. Awesome. And I mean, the same the same thing is true physically. I mean, yeah. physically, when you're younger, your recovery is faster. If you fall down and get hurt, you get you fall down when you're elderly. And you may not get up again. That could be that could be devastating in life, right? So it's very, All very right. I agree. I also, I agree. I also think when we get older that our tough lessons impact more people. When you're younger, and maybe it's just you, it only impacts you. But when you have children or you are involved, you know, um, intricately with other people in relationship, your lessons impact their lives as well. 
and I really felt the weight of that positively and negatively raising my children, knowing that my choices impacted my children's lives. And so it made me want to learn faster. I'm not saying I did it all. <laughs> I learned faster when I was a parent than before I was a parent because I knew my kids were depending on me. And that meant everything to me. So right, that's that's how I feel now being a new mom. Even though my baby is so small, she just turned eight months. But I know that she's watching me. I'm like, she doesn't fully understand, but babies are smarter than you think they are. And I just know that she's watching me. So now I'm taking my time and trying to realize like, okay, you have to do it this way and this way and this way. You can't take that shortcut you once did because there's consequences to that. And I can't let anything stop me or potentially take me away from my daughter. Like I can't even imagine. So definitely parenting is definitely a listen and learn situation for me, definitely. So is that your life lesson, Jojo? It could be. (laughs) I'm like, it could be. Fair enough. Dr. Cantrell, what is a life lesson you've learned and that you want to share with our audience? I've I've learned so many. Um, One one of them you, you... you kind of alluded to Monica, and that is um, um, my life is about more than just me. So um, whether I succeed, uh, there's a community that's impacted, or if I fail, there's a community that's impacted. And that's that's a life lesson. Um, I remember, so I remember when um, when I got my, my second doctorate from Northridge and, and I thought to myself, you know what? Um, I've graduated. I've been there, done that many times. Don't need to do it again. Don't want to deal with all the drama of all that. Let me just quietly accept my diploma and go on about my business, right? And then I sat and thought about it and I said, wait a minute, I'm the only black male in this cohort to, to get a doctorate. And we have all these students on campus. And, you know, Northridge at the time had 40,000 students. So we have all these students on campus. What is it going to mean to them to see a black male in doctoral regalia getting a doctorate degree on a stage? It's more than just me. It's it's more than about what I want or or just me. So even in career moves or anything I do, I think it kind of moves beyond being just personal happiness to that line of, of personal responsibility of helping to positively impact other people. So that's that's a life lesson. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I know I've experiencing that I've experienced that personally as well as professionally. Um, being somebody called me, I think who was it? Someone called me last week the guardian of the guardians. <laughs> I kind of laughed at it, but I, I take that very seriously because when I was given this position, I felt a sense of responsibility, like suddenly, um, I thought second, you know, I thought a second time about certain things. I wanted to make sure that things that I did publicly and privately were um, moral and ethical and a good example for my students and for the people that I was in community with. And I'd always tried to live that way anyway, but there was another level of personal responsibility, professional responsibility that I felt like I had. And I worked really hard. I continue to work really hard to be that for my students to put out positivity and make sure that, you know, I'm just, I'm really mindful and respectful of my position in this community with my students, as well as how I represent the program and all of those things. So it's not just about, oh, me, you know what I mean? And I have this job. It's, it's, it's a lot bigger than that. So I would agree with that. 100%. 100%. Steve, Steve Walsh called you a guardian of the guardians. Guardian, yeah, Steve said it. Mm-hmm. I'd never heard that. I've never thought of that, but I was like, yeah, I kind of felt like that over the last few years. Absolutely. Well, you know, Steve is good for quotables. Just, just you know, just keep yeah. your pen ready when he starts talking. Very, I'm going to hashtag that all the time. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it, was a, it was a great one. Um, so are there any more life lessons you want to share with us, Dr. Cantrell? Because you said you had a few. Um, I mean, I've written a book about it, but it's, uh, <laughs> I've got a whole lot of life lessons. Uh, um, 
I can't think of any. I can't think of any I would share right now. But uh, but there are a number of life lessons that, I mean, I, I guess here here's another life lesson I learned. Another life lesson is um, is no matter how much you learn, you'll find out how much you still don't know. I know, isn't that so frustrating? But it's true. It's right. So, so the, the so the more you learn, so, so you figure like, okay, you're, you're learning, you're learning, you get all these degrees or whatever you get, or you become the, the expert in your field or whatever it is, the more you learn, you start to realize, wait, there's still more and there's still more and there's still more. And then things change and the world changes. So you have to relearn the things you've already learned to make them applicable to today. So there's always right. a learning curve. Right. Absolutely. That was a frustrating thing for me at the end of my each of my graduate degrees, I was like, oh, I feel so smart in this area. And then I thought, I'm so uninformed in so many other areas that now I'm even more aware of. And uh, yeah, I think it fed the lifelong learner in me, but I was always like sadly a little bit aware of all that I didn't know, all that I didn't know. And, you know, I understand that. Okay, I'm gonna share a life lesson with you all. Um, and it's for my students, but maybe if any of you are going through this, I think by nature, if you are in higher education, either as a student or you work in higher education, we're certain personality types. We're all very different, but we all have specific things in common. And I think one of them might be that we are planners and maybe obsessors about specific things, because I think in order to really work fully sometimes we obsess about our jobs we obsess about our students we obsess about content we do that as students as well as well as administrators faculty staff whatever and that can sometimes feel overwhelming and my mom who's 80 and extremely wise always tells me and has always reminded me one day at a time monica one day at a time. You can plan your whole life out if you want to. And there's value in having plans, short-term, long-term goals. But at the end of the day, all you can manage is what's right in front of you today. And if you just take care of that with the future in mind, it's all going to be okay because you don't know that you're going to have tomorrow. So just do your best today and it's enough. And you know, there's something about when an older person tells you that, you know, they've been through many, many days and they've realized many things. And I really like wanted to share that today because in this pandemic and now we're starting to come out again and, you know, some of the restrictions are lifting. And I think some of us are over worrying because of it. And some of us are really glad because of it. I think that we've really, um, become warriors in this time because so much is out of our control the immediate situation, the future, suddenly we realized our lives became very small and insular almost. And we had a lot of time with ourselves and people around us and that has other things present, right? But I just kept in mind, all you can do Monica is what you can do today, just today. If that means have your meetings, talk to that student, invest in your own professional development, stay creative, whatever, get your workout. And sometimes it just meant basic things. Feed yourself well today, Monica, so you can function, you know, um, take care of the people around you as much as you can. Love on your student assistants for all their help, whatever, like just do that. And it's enough. And I just wanted to impart that today because I know so many of our students are filled with anxiety, anxieties they don't discuss with anyone. And um, I wanted to leave that there today because I feel like there's so much value in that and truth. All we can do is what we can do today. That's all. And leave the rest up to tomorrow. For me, it, you know, leave the rest up to God. That, that's what I believe. And so that's what I choose to do. And it all works out. You know, I'm only 50 years in. I hope I have 50 more or at least 30 more like my mom. But, you know, it all, it all works out. Just do your best. And I wanted to share that today. Like, I like that one. I never thought of it. Like, I, I hear a lot of people say, like, live your life as if today was your last. If that, I think I'm saying it right. Mm -hmm. And I 
I always hear it and I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm living my life, but I never put it into action. I always be like, okay, I'm not going to worry about it. And then I stress myself out trying to do X, Y, and Z throughout the day. And it's just like, it's okay. Relax. Do what you can do today and what you can't put it off tomorrow. What what is mandatory today, do those things and then work on the things that's not due. Like, you know, like give yourself some time. And that's what I got from what you said, Monica. I'ma try it. I'ma try it out. Yep. That's that's my mom. She's pretty like, cute. I'm gonna try it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's mine for today. Um, I'm gonna shift gears a little bit and Dr. Cantrell, we have a few questions that were um, put together directly from our students for this podcast. And they wanted us to ask these to you in this light, that you answer them as if you were speaking to your own children. That was their specific request. So I'm gonna let Jojo go through those. And that's gonna be our little question time for you rather than our normal fire questions. And Jojo, take it away. We're excited about this part. I'm like, some of these questions are mine too. So I need some real answers, Dr. Contreras. Real <laughs> answers, okay? <laughs> All right. I, I, will, I will do my best. <laughs> it's six questions. Okay, so number one, what advice do you have for maintaining a life balance between school, work, and friends? How do you make time for spirituality in your day? Okay, so the first thing I need to say is there's no such thing as life balance. Okay. Period. Does not exist and will not happen. So <laughs> free 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 yourself of the notion that there's life balance. What I mean by that is this. Sometimes when we think of life balance, we think of this notion that everything gets equal attention and that's what balance means right? Kind of like the old school teeter-totter, like you have to have people of equal weight <laughs> in order for the distribution to be right. Yes. That, that's, not, that's not even possible and it's not realistic. So free, free your minds right now of the notion of things being balanced. Sometimes you're going to be spending more time in this area and less time in that area, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. so, so, the, so I'd like to direct that to say, um, how do you have life intentionality? How do I live life on purpose? Right. And the way I do that is to be intentional. So if, if I need family time and I, and I need to have these things, I need to have self time. I need to take care of myself physically, mentally, emotionally. I need to take care of my business, whether that's academic, whether that's work, whatever that is. I need to take care of these things. So how do I do it? Uh, well, we have a model and the model is the way that you deal with class is, you know, when your classes are because you have a schedule. Um, many people study when they have a schedule. You know when you go to work because you have a schedule. Why wouldn't we do that with every other area of our life? Mm -hmm. And so, so you know, Friday night is date night. Every Friday doesn't change. It's on the calendar, so to speak. It doesn't change. If something comes up, we can change it. But you know that you're intentionally changing something. Um, I've started, um, this is going to sound so bougie, but I've started every saturday i have one of my best friends move to town um I haven't seen him for years but every saturday is golf day and we play golf every saturday i'm not even good at golf but we play every saturday and so saturday morning saturday afternoon we're together for most of the day and that's our that's my my friend my, my brother my hangout time that's that's my time uh, there we have family night is saturday night Every Saturday is family night. So people can come visit, but you know that that's family night. And to this day, my kids are 26 and 24 years old. And they'll say, what are we doing tonight? Yeah. It's like, you need to move out. That's what you need to be doing. But <laughs> since you're here, <laughs> yeah. you need to get a life. That's what you need to do. But we're, we're quarantined now. It's all good. We're like, so what's the movie tonight? Or what are we ordering to eat tonight? Or what are we? So they still have this expectation that, uh, that it's family night, we're going to be doing something, right? But that's intentional. And so exercise, you know, every, I started doing this a few months ago. One, I, I left the house and now I work from my, my church office. So I'm in the community. So the office you see me in is not on campus. 
and I'm not at home anymore because I had to have a change of mindset. Mm -hmm. So I was either in my bedroom working or at the kitchen table and, and my home became my office, became my entertainment space, became my everything. And it was emotionally exhausting yes. and mentally exhausting. So I had to switch venues. So being here, I'm, most of the time, I'm the only one in the building, strong Wi-Fi. I don't have glitches, but I mean, I have my space. I get up and go to work. And then when I go home, I go home. That does something mentally. That's a mental yeah. shit. That was intentional. So when you talk about doing life, you, I, I believe you have to do life on purpose. So at lunchtime, you know, a couple of days a week, I'll leave and I'll drive down the street to River Lakes and I might hit some golf balls just so I can be in the sun and just so I can be outside and, and walk and move and breathe and do those things. So those things are intentional. And my spiritual time every morning, first thing in the morning, prayer, reading, spending time and, and preparing. But then I also do things because I'm so involved in my church. Um, I, you know, I teach and I do all that. So I do planning and preparation and all that. But I, the morning time is the best time for that because that's when I'm the most fresh. Um, and so I, I have to give my, my spirit time when I'm fresh rather than waiting till I don't have anything left and I'm trying to pray when I have no energy and I just fall asleep, right? So I have to feed that as well. So all of those things have to be intentional. I know I answered that in a very long way, but it's no, intentional. No, that was perfect. Yeah. I'm like, if we don't understand after that response, we'll never <laughs> <laughs> No, but I really think that myself and the scholars who wrote these questions, you answered that perfectly. I wouldn't change anything about it. Now I got number well, two. I, I appreciate that. But just <laughs> so, so in short, schedule it. Yes, I like it. And I love family night. We used to have family night as a kid growing up and then it shifted and we don't do it anymore. But yeah. now that I have my own family and um, so it's me, my daughter and her father and I'm, I want to do family night. I think that that is very important. It should be mandatory and it will be. We're gonna set it up once you get a little older. Can I think about family night for a minute? Hold on, Jojo. My kids, because I raised my kids by myself for a good decade. We had family time Sunday afternoon. So it was after church, after we kind of wind down, did our meal prep, whatever. Sunday afternoon was like Sunday dinner and whatever, movie time, game time. Sometimes we just sat around and talked. And that became a wonderful place of congregation for people who were maybe not biological family, but we started like attracting other people who'd be like, Hey, can I come over to your house Sunday afternoons? Hey, is your mom cooking? You know, whatever. And it, it was because we had designated that time and it, it began to expand more than I ever thought it would. And my kids both live in Los Angeles now for work and school. So we don't have Sunday afternoons anymore, but they always call me on Sunday afternoon. And the one thing they say, because they're 19 and 26, is mom, I miss Sunday afternoons. I miss it so much. And I tell them we can either do something remotely or you guys do that. Like start their tradition, keep it going because it's designated time. And it, it was very important to our family structure and our family growth. And I highly recommend it. Love it. Love it. Number two, it says, what obstacles did you face being raised by a single mother and how did you cope with them? Because you mentioned that in your last, in our last podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, um, so the first, the first obstacle, and, and if you'll allow me to say struggle was um, identity. I really, really struggled with identity. Um, and I had brothers, so, you know, my, my family dynamic is very weird because I have kind of this blended yet separated family situation. Um, and so, um, so I have siblings, but my siblings were on my dad's side. I have one sibling on my mom's side, but then family just kind of was everywhere. And so I was, I was alone a lot and I'm the baby. So my, my next um, youngest sibling is seven years older than me. I'm sorry, five years older than me. And then there's seven. So they were like gone. I'm, I'm a, so I'm virtually alone in the house. And I was a latchkey kid. Um, so I'll talk about the alone part next. I know that part is coming. I'll talk about that. But, but just identity, like um, 
not really having, my dad was alive till I was 13. They were, my parents were divorced. I lived in Oakland. My dad was in LA. So he was Disneyland dad. That's what I call him. And what I mean by that is he was the dad who'd come pick me up, take me to amusement parks or games or whatever. I'd have a blast with him, have all the fun. And he dropped me back off with my mom and then he'd be gone. Right. And my mom had to do all the hard work of disciplining me and all that. Well, my mother was an activist and she did that. So because when I grew up, there was still a lot of social stuff going on and she was fighting for us and she was in the politics and trying to make things right for us. Um, she worked, she's a single mom, so she worked multiple jobs. And so she was rarely home. I was home alone a lot because my mother was always working or involved somehow. So, so my identity and my identity formation was very challenged. And so I didn't, you know, looking for um, constant male role models. Again, I had brothers, but they didn't live with me. Um, and so, you know, just really looking for that. So sports did that for me and, and coaches and things like that. But I really didn't have that one stable go-to all the time role model type person. So my need for that, that was a huge obstacle for me. And I struggled because of that all the way through my 20s and 30s, probably into well into 30s, probably pushing 40. I, I struggled with that. Um, and then, so, so that was, those, those are some, and then, uh, time and relationship. So I, I didn't have a lot of time and relationship with my mom. In fact, before she passed away, my mother and I had a very, um, strained relationship. It was very distant. I can go for months without talking to my mom. You know, we, we were very, very distant, very distant. Um, you know, and so as she, um, she, she turned ill. She lived in the Georgia area, the Atlanta area. She got ill. And when she did, she called me and she reached out. So I went out there and, you know, I spent some time with her. We were able to have some some very good conversations about that 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 needed to happen that were really good. I'm glad we had them because she was end of life. And, and at that moment, we probably had the closest relationship we ever had in the last weeks of her life. Um, and so, so just doing all that, ha not having that time. So, so virtually when you talk about, and I don't mean to be gender specific, but I'm, I'm talking about me, um, you know, as a young man, the, the need and desire for my mom and my relationship for my mom was important, but I didn't have it growing up um, and not having any time with her because she was hustling, she's working, she's trying to do her best for me. And so, so that was really a strain. So those were obstacles. Um, she, she wasn't, um, she had dropped out of college because she had kids and all that stuff. So she dropped out of school. So she couldn't help me with school. She couldn't help me. She didn't understand sports. And so when I was really, and I was pretty good at sports. I was, I was, you know, I played in college and stuff, but she didn't really understand that world. So she couldn't guide me, couldn't really support me. It didn't mean a whole lot to her. And so all of those were real obstacles when I was when I was uh, growing up and having a single mom trying to do her best and just trying to hold on and holding on to her own identity and her own purpose and her own worth and value because of what she went through and all that. I mean, it, it was just really, really hard. But by God's grace, um, you know, I, I made it out, if I could say it that way. <laughs> Absolutely. Definitely. Um, I was. You know, I mentioned I was raised by a single mom, too, and just hearing your story and how my mom was struggling, and I didn't have a Disneyland dad, though. That's the difference. I didn't have that that break, that time, that bond, so that's another emotional something that we did talk about another time. But also, the person who asks, asks this question is a young man, so... When he listens to this, he'll know that you were speaking to him. I won't disclose who he is, but he asked that question. It was a guy who asked, asked that question. And I can honestly say I know him and your answer was great. You guys went through some stuff similar. Hopefully I can connect you guys and maybe you guys can talk. Um, but that was that was very helpful for him and for our listeners and myself as well. Uh, Monica, you have something to add? I would love to connect. Definitely. Definitely. I'm going to reach out to him as soon as the podcast is uh, posted so he can hear it. And then I'll, I'll contact you guys. 
Um, number three. Oh, well, you did say this one was coming. So it's here. here it is. How do you cope with being alone? How do you keep yourself motivated? Yeah, that was when I was younger and alone. And, and so I grew up in a neighborhood where I had, you know, there were lots of kids in the neighborhood. Um, and I grew up in a safe neighborhood. I grew up in Oakland Hills, which is a very nice area. Um, I think I said this before, but I'll say it for context for those who, who may not recall. So I grew up in the Oakland Hills. Um, a very, It was the kind of neighborhood where you could leave your windows down at night and you could leave stuff in your car and nobody would bother. It, it was just a very, very nice neighborhood. Uh, when my mom and dad were together, brief as it was, they, you know, they were able to be there. When they got divorced and he left, we could not afford to be there at all. We had no business being there anymore. And so we were like the poorest people there. And, um, and it was just, it was just crazy, crazy. I mean, lights turned off. I mean, I, I had just financial issues, struggles, all that kind of stuff in around these rich people. So you talk about imposter syndrome, as yeah. they call it now, we didn't have a term for that back then. But it's like, I do not belong up here, but you know, it's, it's safe. My mother struggled to keep us there so I could be in the best schools and all that, whatever. But, but again, I was alone. So I don't know if people know what a latchkey kid is, but but a latchkey kid, this is this is an old school phrase, a latchkey kid, what would happen is I was really young, but it was it was a safe area. We had a bus that we can get on the bus and go to school. My mother showed me where to catch the bus and literally gave me a key, said, This is your key to the house. You get on the bus to go to school. When you get out of school, get on the bus, come straight home use this key, come in the house, lock the door behind you and don't leave the house until I get home. And so that's the latchkey kid. It's like you, you're trusted to do everything on your own and you come home and you're by yourself. And as soon as you get home, call me. And so I call my mother at work and I say, mom, I'm home. She said, okay, good. Now, Monica, you're going to laugh at this one because you know this era. And she said, okay, now that you're home, take the meat out of the refrigerator, let it thaw out. We didn't have microwaves. Yeah. Okay take the meat out of the refrigerator, put it in some water and turn the preheat the oven to 325 and call me back, <laughs> call me back in 30 minutes, whatever. Right. Yeah. So here, so here I am, I'm having to do that. I don't know why I'm doing it. And I have to do my chores and I have my list of things to do and my homework or whatever, but I was alone a lot. And so being home alone and I can hear kids outside playing and I can hear people riding their bikes and having fun and say, Hey man, can you come out? Nah, man, I can't come outside all right. And then it all as a group go and I'd sit there and, you know, so I was alone a lot. So what did I do? I had to make up stuff to do. I wasn't a great student. So it's not like I was reading. I hate reading. I hate writing. <laughs> so I had to make up stuff to do. So as a little kid, this is going to sound funny, but as a little kid, um, I was, I was athletic. So we had a house that was two stories. And so I made up this game by myself because I watched sports on TV where I played football by myself. <laughs> and so my bedroom was upstairs and we had, you know, you can go down the hall and you had these stairs and you go down to this basement kind of area. So I did this thing where I had to take the ball, hike, and I'd run through, run down the stairs real fast. And I'd go downstairs, I'd jump over the furniture and I'd swivel around, run back up the stairs and I would dive on the bed and that would be touchdown, right? All right, do it again. Seven points. Let's go. And, I, and you know, I know that's dumb, awesome. but, but as a little kid, I, you said that's what, Monica? awesome. Are you kidding? <laughs> that's, that sounds fun to me. <laughs> so somehow I turned it into a game, and I don't know. It it, it helped me to be athletic. Still, um, I still remember to this day. We had a pool table downstairs, and um, a friend let me borrow his skateboard, and I couldn't leave the house. And so I learned how to, I was trying to teach myself how to skateboard. To this day, I have a cap on my tooth because I chipped my tooth, my permanent tooth on the corner of the pool table, trying to skateboard in the house, in the house. Um, and I slipped, fell and hit my face on the table, tooth on the floor. And to this day, and that's because I was home alone trying to figure out stuff to do to keep myself entertained. So that's, that's kind of, you know, there was no internet Right. I know I sound really old, but there was no internet. There was nothing that could just be on the, you know, so it was either TV, talking on the phone all the time or whatever, but that's it. So being alone was, and I can tell you, I struggled. 
I hated being alone. Again, I was dealing with identity issues and all that. So even when I went to college, I hated being alone. I always had to be, I was in a fraternity. I played two sports in college. I was always involved. I had to have people around me all the time. I hated being by myself until I went through a healing process. And now I love being alone. Right. I, I love being alone more than I love being around people sometimes. So I can go to the movies by myself and have a big bucket of popcorn and sit in the upper seats by myself and have a great time. I can go to a restaurant by myself and I can sit at a table by myself and I don't care what people think of me and I can enjoy, I can enjoy me now because I had to heal through that, but it took a process of healing to get through that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to just comment on that because I think we had similar experiences. I was raised with my parents, you know, marriage in place, but my, they worked so hard and had a very distant relationship with my dad because of it. And my mom was always working. So I was home alone a lot or responsible for my younger siblings, which was tremendous pressure as a child. But I remember feeling that about being alone and it taking again, healing growth recognition of certain things that I needed to learn. I needed those skills of how to be alone. But to me, alone means now with myself. And I like being with myself. And for me, because I believe in God, I, I like I'm with God, you know, I, I enjoy value that time. So I look for it now, where before I was afraid of it. And now I seek it out. And that takes growth and maturity and, and lots of healing processes that I know our students are going through. So thank you for being so candid about that answer. All right. yeah, thank, thank Dr. Cantrell, we're more alike than you think. And I even thought, because I had a skateboard incident myself, outside though, I was rolling like on my stomach, and the where I grew up was a very poor neighborhood, South Central LA, and you know, it's cracks in the mm -hmm. sidewalk. I couldn't go in the street, nobody else wanted to like help me with the skateboard, so I said, you know what, I don't know how to skateboard, so I'm gonna just lay on it and roll. So I'm rolling. <laughs> I hit a, a crack, head go, right? Mm. All of my top teeth went through my bottom lip and got stuck. I couldn't open my mouth. And this happened when I was probably about nine. I still have like a little scar in the inside of my bottom lip. My tooth chipped a little bit, but not that much. They were more so just stuck. So we had to get my teeth out of my lip. It's crazy. Mm. And wow. I don't microwave my meat for it to throw out. I put it in water still, and my mom used to make me put it in water, so I still did that. <laughs> here's here's a, here's your tip before you ask. Tip of the day: If you want to thaw out frozen meat, it thaws out faster in water than it water. does in the microwave. Amen. There we go. <laughs> yes, it does, and it's better for your meat because sometimes you can cook it in the microwave, trying to throw it out, and then by the time you're trying to cook it, it's like already like messed up so that's my tip too so i'm still in it <laughs> all right i have i have uh did we want to still go through it's three more i have three more number four have you I'm good and i can i can be brief i know we're, we're short on time so i'll, I'll be more brief oh no rush for me <laughs> uh number four have you ever taken online courses and how did you deal with them? Okay, so the answer is yes. Hated it, um, and it, it did. It didn't work out well for me. So again, when I when I was younger, we didn't have internet computers like that and all that. So the first time I was introduced to an online course was um, when I was pursuing a doctorate. So I went for an EDD. The, the first time I went for an EDD was years ago. Um, and I, I saw University of Phoenix and I said, you know what, I'm working and all that. Maybe online might work for me. And so I, I tried the orientation class that they have. I got admitted, did the whole thing. I took that class, hated it. And the reason why is because there was no real, I never saw the faculty person's face because it was one of those, okay, get online and you have to go in and read the material and you know, once you read the material, you have to like engage and put this thing in the in the little chat thing and people have to respond and you have to respond to somebody else. And they tried to keep it highly engaging, 
but I, I like a classroom experience. I like to be around people. I like to have conversation, question, answer. I like to see people's faces. I, I realized that about me. So I, I didn't, I didn't take to online learning too well. Um, so I, I dropped out of that program. And then some years later, went to a, another EDD program and we had some hybrid classes. So some of our classes we would meet in person, but then we'd have to go online and do work. Hybrid wasn't too bad, um, but I will say this in an online course, some people think it's easier and it might be easier from the standpoint that you can do it at your convenience. Sometimes if it's an asynchronous class or, or a class, you don't have to attend with the class. You can do it at your, at your leisure. It, it might be convenient, but it's not easier. Right. And especially depending on the subject matter of the class, it's not easier. So, um, so yeah, I mean, if you, if you have a question or if you want to engage, you, you just can't do that. So it's, it can be tougher. So you have to be far more disciplined to do that. Yeah, I agree. You definitely have to be, be a disciplined learner for online courses. If you are so not, the... <laughs> it's going to be hard work. And I am the product of that. <laughs> <laughs> That's I can right. honestly say I am the product of that statement. So through the hybrid classes, I did well, but I really it, it took a lot of discipline and a lot a lot of work to stay disciplined in that. Yeah. Yep. Number five. What advice do you have for first year freshmen? Our first for years. First, for a first year student, one find a group of focused peers. Peer groups are very important. Um, um, who, whoever your community is, um, it is going to influence who you are. So you have to choose your community. And for some, and, and I don't mean to turn into a preacher right now, um, there are some new students who need to change their entire frame of reference and need to change your circle. You need to change your circle. Mm -hmm. Right. And some of some of some of you and some of us, we all need to we need to evaluate who's in our circle. So who's who's in my circle of influence? Who am I spending the most time with? And are the people I'm with going in the same direction and have the same goals as me? If I'm the smartest person in my circle, then my circle is too small. Um, if I'm the most ambitious person in my circle, my circle is too small. Um, if, if I'm the most motivated, then my circle is too small. There has to be a, a circle of of friends, peers, whatever you want to call them, classmates that, that you're engaging with on a regular basis, where if you start slipping, you'll feel it. And you'll feel like, man, I need to catch up because I'm, I'm falling behind. You need to be able to feel that intrinsically and not just because Monica or somebody else keeps riding you. You need to feel that from your peer group. Yeah. And it's like you start to see peers graduating and you're still a couple of years behind, but you see people graduating. And that's my next tip attend graduation ceremonies. Mm -hmm. So every year, go to graduation, go to commencement. Yep. Even though you're not graduating yet, and even if you don't even know anybody, just go. Because when you see people with all the flowers and the little money necklaces, and you're hearing, all, or even if it's online and you're just seeing it and seeing how people have balloons in front of their houses and their families are so proud of them and all that, it'll give you like, okay, my day's coming. I'm gonna get there soon, that, that's a motivator. Um, ask for help. And that's something that in high school, you don't necessarily have to do. Because on the high school side, high schools are intrusive. So if a counselor, I used to be a high school counselor. So if a counselor finds you on their radar, they'll call you out of class, they'll send you a pass and they'll call you out of class. Right? But that's, that's okay. not going to happen here necessarily. So you have to ask for help. And I'll say this, um, pride comes before a fall. Which means if you have an ego or pride, it's like, no, nah, no, nah, I got this. I don't need help. And if you stay in that frame, it's only a matter of time until you fall. And if you don't ask for help and you don't say, you know what, I'm struggling and I, and I can't tell anybody because I, I, I need to man up or woman up or I need to, you know, I just need to be an adult and push through. It's like, no, as soon as you start getting a hint of something going wrong, ask for help. But before ask for help, really honestly, before you really need it. But make sure you're asking for help from faculty, asking questions from 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 faculty and staff, and just making sure you're doing those things. That's what I would say to that. Another great answer. 
All right, the last one. It says, if you, no, if we were your children, what would you tell us during this time in our lives? Um, I would say you don't have to be as amazing as me. Just live your life. No, I would, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, what I would say, what I would say is, is one, be persistent. Um, you know, don't don't give up. Don't give up at the first sight of something going wrong or or something failing or you know, even if you do fall, fail or whatever. Don't give up. Keep pushing through. Uh, because it's it's through that that you become successful. Su success is found through failure. Success doesn't mean I get straight A's all the time and I'm just good all the time. You'll find people like that um, don't handle life well sometimes because as soon as the first adversity comes, I don't know what to do with myself. But but success is found, it's birthed, it's, it's forged through failure. So when you miss the mark, when you don't get it right, that's when you push through that and you learn more, you become a better you. So be persistent, keep pushing, keep pressing. And I don't have to say that to this population in this community because this community does this already, but don't stop doing that. The second thing I would say is be resilient. Mm -hmm. um, and by resilient, I mean this, in the time that we're in now, this is, a, this is an unprecedented time in every way. Um, you have an election taking place where there's just vitriol going on, which means there's just so many, there's so many arguments and so many extreme thoughts on either side. And if you're caught in the middle of that, it's almost like a crossfire of discouragement that's taking place right now. Um, there's social issues and social injustices and racial tensions and just all kinds of things happening in our world right now. Um, and among many other things happening right now, but the one thing I would say is, is through this time and through times like this, don't give your power away. And what I mean by that is this, don't give up during this time. If you do, you're giving your power away. Um, don't let somebody else's thoughts and comments and opinions tank your emotions and your day and spin you into a depression because somebody else said something. And don't let people take you off your course. Um, so I'll tell you in sports, one of the things that that um, that you learn how to do in sports, if you want to win over an opponent that's better than you, is you, you get into their head. Um, Muhammad Ali, you may have never heard of Muhammad Ali, but Muhammad Ali is a famous boxer. And Muhammad Ali is a he's he's one of the best boxers alive who, who ever lived. Right. But he right. was smaller. He was a heavyweight fighter, but he was smaller than the other boxers. So the one thing he did all the times, he never stopped talking. He would just talk, 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 talk. And he would trash talk because what he would do is he would get in your face and he'd get in your head. So if he can't beat you physically, he'd beat you mentally. So what happens is your opponent, your spiritual opponents and your other opponents, life opponents will try to beat you emotionally, spiritually, and in other ways so that you yourself take yourself out of the game physically. I hope that makes sense to somebody what I just said. Yeah. So no, what we'll do right. is I, I know I'm supposed to be in class. I know what my purpose is, but I hear somebody say something stupid. Or I hear an insensitive faculty member or I hear an insensitive statement coming from whatever. And I say, you know what, forget it. I don't have to be here anymore. Well, you've just taken yourself physically out of a game because you let somebody else get in your head who doesn't know you doesn't know your family trajectory, doesn't know the power you have, doesn't know the lives you're going to change should you stay the course. They don't know anything about that. And we physically take ourselves out of the game. Don't give your power away. And the last thing I'll say is, is be compassionate. And, and what I would say to my kids now is just be compassionate. Um, you might hear things that make you angry. Um, you might have somebody who has a different side of opinion. You may be liberal. They may be conservative or vice versa. But, but just listen, be compassionate. People have thoughts, opinions, and feelings. And at the end of the day, we're all human beings. We all have needs. It, it's a humanity thing, not a I'm right, you're wrong thing. And we need to move beyond that and, and really be caring and, and concerned about one another. Wow. Thank you, Dr. Cantrell, for answering our student questions. Those are, yes, claps for sure.
Those are amazing answers. They were amazing questions, I thought. And they really, our students truly were interested in what you had to say where all of this is concerned. So thank you so much for being transparent with us and sharing your stories and your encouragement. We, as always, much appreciation. So thank wow. you. Um, I am honored to be here and I'll, I'll come back whenever you want and, and I'll try to be less, uh, less, less wordy but I, you know, I get passionate about some of this we stuff. Like, so, but I'm, we like it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sure our listeners like it too. They do. We like it. We need it. We forward our podcast to many people. So thank you so much. We are going to end today with our tip, trick, or pick of the week. And um, Myra, if you want to want to jump in at the very end, you can. No pressure. Um, I'll start it. Super simple. I have a, a tip of the week. And I don't know if any of you have, have I wanna say experienced maybe, a, you know, like you're backsliding in your fitness or your wellness, whether that's physical, mental, spiritual, whatever. I, and I did a reset about five weeks ago and I told myself um, I was gonna do all of the most important things in the morning. So I wake up and get my spiritual time in, say my prayers, read my word, get my mind, my spirit right. I work out immediately thereafter. And that was hard for me because sometimes when you have your whole day, like you said, Dr. Cantrell, um, prior to this, sometimes you, you know, you're in your home all day. So you could break away for 45 minutes to an hour and work out whenever your, you know, your schedule allowed. But I was finding that I wasn't doing it because of that. So I told myself first, my spirit, then my body, and then I can start working. So I have been working out first thing in the morning. And sometimes that's early, 4.30, 5 a.m., depending on when I get up. But that's kind of when my day starts. And um, I'm telling you, if you need a reset, schedule yourself. Schedule that time in and make it a priority first thing in the morning. And then everything kind of flows thereafter. So that's my tip if you need a reset. Maybe you've gained some COVID weight. Maybe your spirit's worn down right now. Schedule it, get it in first thing in the morning and let me know in a few weeks if it makes a difference. I'm really interested. So that's my tip of the week. That's it. All right. I have one, which is a tip. Um, Dr. Cantrell actually mentioned it earlier a little bit, but um, a statement that my mom taught me as well is, Birds of a feather flock together. I don't know if everyone heard that before, but this is what that means. You are who you hang out with. So if you're with someone who is considered a negative Nancy, their vibe, their energy is going to start being your vibe and your energy. And then you're going to start passing that on to the next person. And then that becomes a cycle. But then it can be a positive thing as well. Because if I'm around someone who have positive energy, who's motivated, who's determined, they're going to give me that motivation and make me want to, you know, succeed and push forward. So my tip of the week is learn which birds you're flocking with. And if they're not going in a direction that you want to go in, remove yourself and get another bird crew. Dr. Cantrell, tip, trick, or pick of the week. So, so it's funny, I was going to say something funny, but I think if I said it, you'll probably quote me on it. <laughs> Based on what Jojo said, I was, I was going to say, so, so what Jojo is saying is stop flocking around with the wrong birds. Yes. <laughs> That's our title for the episode. <laughs> there you go. You can have that. <laughs> I'm like, my internet kicked me off. Did you guys hear me? Okay, we, we did, Jojo. Yeah, we okay, got I'm like, it kicked me off. Sorry, Jordan. We're going to have yeah. to do this over. <laughs> no, it's okay. Right up until the very end. And then Dr. Cantrell jumped in. Say it again, Dr. Cantrell, one more time. So I, get, I, gave a, I gave a title to, you, to yeah. what your statement was, Jojo. And the title, is, the title is Stop Flocking Around with the Wrong Birds. Amen. <laughs> Snaps. Yes. <laughs> that's, exactly. that's all you. Um, all right, so my tip, my tip, two words, get out. Yeah. That's my tip. And my tip is get out of the house, yeah. get get out of Zoom, um, get off of social media, please. Yeah. please. Just get out. 
and and get your give your mind your a break and your eyes a break and whatever just get it if you have to walk around the block if you have to do whatever um, and it's funny too some people say well i don't have time yes you do we all have time it's just how you're using it exactly um, i i find it funny i say this all the time um, when people get sick like if you got the flu or something and you were just bedridden funny how we have time right because you can't do anything else. and you call people i can't come in call your professors i'm out sick but why do we have to wait till that happens for us to say you know what i'm declaring two hours of time for me to just take a walk do whatever and put my phone down turn the tv off just to give myself some brain space so that's my tip get out i agree yeah. I like yep. myra do you want to share one um i think i would just say like prioritize yourself. I think within everything, you know, knowing who your friends are, motivating yourself to wake up in the morning and work out or setting time for yourself. It all comes down to just loving yourself and putting yourself first, um, making time for yourself to feel like, okay, I do need to step back. I know I'm, you can get so caught up in making time for other people at work or other things that we don't think of ourselves. Like we're the last person we think about in some situations. And I think, especially right now with COVID and because we get so caught up with everything going on, we're like last on the list. Everything else is before us. So I would just say, you know, make time for yourself, put yourself on the top of the list, whether it's in the morning or whenever you have time, but prioritize yourself. Absolutely. Thank you, Myra. Thank you. Thank you. Good. You have to come back sometime and podcast with us, okay? Seriously, we'll send you an invite and you can sit in on one and send you all the stuff before. So thank yes, you. I loved it. Yeah, thank you. Thank all right. You. I want to say thank you to everybody today. Jojo, Dr. Cantrell, Myra, our unofficial co-host. Um, we really appreciate you all being here. Um, we have an episode word, which we encourage our students to listen for so they get participation for listening to our episodes. And our word for this episode is life or vida. Life or vida. So make sure you take note, um, put that on your Google form when you summarize you know, this podcast for us and give us some feedback as to what you thought of it. Please look for us on our social media handles. We are at CSUB Guardians. We are on Spotify and Unguarded. And we're so grateful that you tuned in today to listen to us. We hope that um, all of our life lessons um, conversation was helpful to you. And we'll make sure and leave all of the, like the high points for you in our show notes. And we'll also be featuring lots of quotes from this episode in our social media and on Instagram. So thank you everybody for listening. Be well, stay well, and we will be talking to you soon. Take care, bye. Thank you everybody.